This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Great to see all of you this morning. I want to welcome you today. And uh, glad you can be with us. Praise God. We're coming into the holiday season. We celebrate the birth of our King. Hallelujah. And, you know, in religious circles, they talk about it as uh, this time of Advent, which I'm not real up on that, but I think it started last Wednesday. Could be wrong. But the word, I'm wrong. You, you didn't have to be so blunt about it. But anyway, one, talk to her about something. Wow. Okay, well, okay. We need duct tape. That's what we need. <laughs> anyway, where was I before I was interrupted? Anyway, um, um, Advent means arrival. And of course, uh, so all of this is leading up to his coming. And uh, I'm so thankful for that, aren't you? Yes. Praise God. He's come once and he's coming again. And so we have the privilege of being able to watch and wait and do what it is that he asked us to do. He said to occupy until I come. So as long as he hasn't showed up, we just have something to do. Amen? Amen. And that's what's important for us as believers. All right, if you would, please, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to be taking up this a similar, well, I, I would say the same subject we had last week, talking about the gift of eternal life. But we're going to unpack it a little bit further and talk about walking in the light of life. And so John chapter 4, if you can find that opening in your Bibles. Praise God. <clears throat> and let's pray together and we'll get into what I want to share with you today. Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to come before you, to lift our voices, praise and adoration, thanksgiving for all that you have done and that which you have provided for us as your children. We're grateful, Father God, because you gave us Jesus, a sacrifice for all of mankind so that we could be ransomed from the penalties of sin. And so today, Father, we do rejoice in the redemption that we have in him. But we're also thankful, Father, that you've given us your word. And Father God, the Bible is God speaking to us. And so we just thank you, Father, for having revealed your will to us, both through the New and the Old Testament. And so we thank you, Father, that as we behold wonderful things from it, that it will, as the scriptures say, set the captive free. So we thank you for your blessing, Father. And again, help us, Father, to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And we thank you for it. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. John chapter 4, uh, we we're talking about this uh, woman that was at the well. Jesus was making his journey to the next uh, place where they were going to be um, doing a campaign for um, preaching the gospel. And they stopped at a well. The woman of Samaria showed up. And the Bible tells us that the Jews had no real dealings with the Samaritans, so it was very odd for him to ask anything of her, but he asked her for a drink. And so when that happened, she was somewhat taken back by it. And as a result of that, if we pick it up here in verse 12, I believe it is, um, he uh, was talking to her about all of this. I'm, I'm sorry, verse uh, 10. Jesus answered and said to her, this woman, if you knew the gift of God and also who it is that says unto thee, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you 
living water. So now think with me a little bit about this verse. He said, if you knew the gift, he wasn't talking about himself, though Jesus was a gift to us, because there's a word there and as a conjunction, you know, to what he previously said. So he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, you'd get, you'd ask of him and he would give you living water. So the gift that he's talking about is this living water, right? Now, if we drop down a little bit further in verse 13, Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But who, <coughs> excuse me, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So last week we talked about this, shared a little bit of a message there about the gift of eternal life. And, you know, the main thesis of the message was simply, you can't work your way to heaven. That salvation is a gift. That eternal life is a gift. But there's a lot more to eternal life than just going to heaven. And so we understood from what we shared, you know, that it's not something that you can work for or merit, you know, on the basis of some, you know, personal performance or efforts on our part or, in, you know, some self-perceived goodness. You know, some folk, they just think they're really wonderful. And, uh, but they need another opinion. Maybe. Just a thought. And uh, no, the Bible makes it clear that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that there is none that is righteous, no, not one. So we find ourselves all to be guilty. The Bible says that we have the nature of sin in us. And until Jesus came, there was no remedy for it. Aren't you glad for him? And thank God he redeemed us, praise God, so that we could enjoy the blessing of God. And so <clears throat> in just passing quickly in review, uh, which sometimes can be a little bit of a challenge for me, but I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. I, everybody say, you can do it, Pastor. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, I believe I can. See, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift. Everybody say gift. Yeah. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible also says in Ephesians 2.8 that it is by grace that you're saved. Again, not something that you merit or something you've done. And it says that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. And, you know, you get in some religious circles and, you know, denominational preferences and things like this. You know, they're led to believe certain things. And uh, unfortunately, it, it more or less stewards pride more than it really does the reality of God's living word. And so it, it gets a little ugly. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so thank God we have nothing to stand on but Jesus and his blood alone. And he is the one that paid the price for us. We talked a little bit about believing and what that means because Jesus made this statement in 1 John chapter 5 and 13. He said, these things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Now listen, that you may know that you have eternal life. So in other words, again, eternal life is not something we're going to get when we die and go to heaven. If you're born of the Spirit of God, you now have eternal or everlasting life. In other words, it's already started. And so you can rejoice in that. And the reason I bring this to your attention is, is he said, I, um, these things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because a lot of people say, well, I believe in God. 
You know, well, that's good, but so does the devil. So what is it that we mean when we talk about believing? In other words, I could maybe try to liken it this way. I could say, well, you know, uh, I believe I love Joan, but I don't do anything for her. I don't help her out. I, all I'm interested in is her benevolence toward me. Huh? And that's the way a lot of people are when it comes to their relationship with God. In other words, they say, oh, yeah, I believe in God, but they don't live for him. They, they don't know him, really, you know, the truth be told. And certainly the only thing they're interested in is whatever they can, you know, derive in the way of, you know, God's goodness toward them. But thank God, God is good to the just and the unjust. Aren't you glad for that? So there, more, there is more to believing than just to say, I believe. And, you know, even within our circles, very often we'll make the statement, you know, that eternal life is the result of believing. And, um, you know, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And people say, well, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know, and so I ask the question, what does that mean? I mean, are you just saying, well, I believe he exists? Because believing from a biblical standpoint is a whole lot more than just saying, I believe. Are you listening to me? And so we talked about these fundamentals that I want to share with you again. You know, when it comes, when we talk about what is it that we mean by believing, you first of all have to believe that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You remember when Peter made that statement, you know, when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And he said, who do you say I am? And he said, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said that, the, that, God, or that God the Father actually revealed that to him. Number two, we, we understand that when we believe, we understand that only Christ and him alone could die for the sins of the world. You know, I, I use the illustration, you know, people say, well, there are many different ways to God. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You know, people get all messed up about their theology because they, they're trying to manipulate it so that it'll work out in their best interests. But the Bible says, well, actually, Peter said in the book of Acts chapter 4 and 12, he said, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must or can be saved. So salvation is in him alone, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, people don't like you talking about Jesus. They don't want that name being proclaimed. I mean, even, listen, even in Christian radio and things of that nature, they don't want the artists using the name Jesus. They want to refer to some abstract hymn or, you know, whatever. Well, his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And so it's important for us to understand that, praise God, he's the king. We also talked about this fact. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave as a gift his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not what? Perish, perish but have everlasting life. So <clears throat> to perish means to be lost. It means to actually end up in eternal damnation if you, you know, uh, you know, unpack it far enough. God doesn't want anybody to perish. But I'll tell you this much about it. If they don't bow their knee to him and they don't surrender their heart to him and they don't proclaim him as Lord, then they're, they're in for trouble. Are you listening to me? And that was our third point, that we have to acknowledge our need for a Savior. And that, you know, the key to that is really surrender. A lot of people, you know, um, I did it. I mean, we all kind of do it. You know, we kind of chuck, chuck and jive, you know, God, and we want to, you know, cut some kind of a deal. There is no deal. 
You give him all of your heart. You give him all of your soul. And you give him all of your life and mind with no conditions. That's the terms. Because Jesus gave us everything of him so that we could enjoy everlasting life. So that's the terms that must be met. And a lot of times people don't want to do that. Okay, let's just be honest. I mean, again, I was in that. You know, I knew I needed a, a Savior, but, you know, can't we, can't we work a deal here? And it wasn't until I came to the place of understanding there are no deals. You either receive Him completely and fully, recognize your need for Him, and ask Him to be the Lord of your life and Savior of your life, and repent of your sinful condition and nature. That, that's the conditions when we talk about believing. I talked about number four, that we also need to receive him. Everybody say receive. Because in receiving him, you end up becoming born again. And with being born again, you end up receiving everlasting life. And, you know, again, I, I didn't throw this in, but a fifth point that I thought was, you know, it's with the heart that man believes, you know, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's not with your head that you believe. And that's really the, the point that I was trying to make because a lot of people in their head believe in God, but they don't know him because they've never, no one has ever told them about the conditions that have to be met in order for them to be born of the spirit of God. And so they go through their entire lives, you know, living religiously, thinking that everything's okay, when in fact it's not. So somebody needs to tell them the truth. Are you listening to me? Okay. And, and that's, you know, I mean, at least, at the very least, we don't end up in eternity and somebody says, why didn't you tell me? Because I grew up in a mainline denominational church and nobody told me what I just got in telling you. They said, you jump through the hoops, you've been baptized in water, you become a member of our church, you're in. Well, I can tell you this much about it, nothing could be further from the truth. Because the Bible does talk about water baptism, and the Bible talks about being a part of the church. But that's not the terms in which we are saved. Are you with me? So we talked quite a bit about that, and I did it again, but here we are. So it's, here's the other thing about it. Eternal life is more than just going to heaven. It's more than fire insurance, okay? People say, well, I don't really want to go to hell, but, but I want to really kind of do my own thing. Why don't you just give your heart to him and begin living for him, yeah. amen? God's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. He'll change your wants and your needs. Are you with me? Well, I can't do this, I can't do that. You're missing the whole point. And the point is, is that he loved you enough to give you his life so that you could live and not die, not perish, and not end up in hell or damnation, as the scriptures tell us. You know, I was just talking to someone here recently, you know, people, I mean, there's all kinds of junk out there as far as doctrine. Somebody was saying, well, you know, I, I don't know if I really believe in a hell anymore. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what Bible are you reading? You know, the Bible talks about the rich man Lazarus, and the Bible says that he lifted up his uh, uh, eyes, being in torment, being in hell, and tried to get Lazarus or for Abraham to send Lazarus back so that his other brothers wouldn't wind up in the same place. 
I mean, evidently they haven't read that or they ripped that out of the Bible or I don't know what. And I'll tell you exactly what that's all about. The devil is a liar. And he's trying to convince people that you can do whatever you want, you can live however you want, that you don't have to make any kind of commitment to God, you just kind of coast along and, you know, let's, 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 uh, let's just kind of, you know, uh, uh, smooth this out a little bit. And I got to tell you, my friends, there isn't anything that is more damnable than a, than a theology like that. It says there is no heaven, or I'm, I'm sorry, there's no hell, there's no devil, you know, these kinds of things. Are you listening to me? Woo! Well, okay, here we go. So, eternal life's more than going to heaven. Some people say, well, you know, that just means we're going to live forever up in heaven. No, it's so much more than that. I'll refer again to the scripture that we talked about. These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have. How many of you are glad this morning you have everlasting life? So that means that if the life of God is on the inside of you, it's a game changer. Whoo, glory to God. I mean, it affords you the potential of being able to live a life like no other. Jesus said, I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Glory to God forevermore. And so it's important for us to understand it that when, you know, eternal life becomes ours when we receive him, when we become a child of God, glory to God. And the intention of heaven is for you and I to learn to walk in the light of that life. And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning. Jesus made this statement, John chapter 8, verse 12. He, he spake again to them saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Remember that uh, one video they had of Carmen, you know? Jesus is the light. You know that? Well, anyway, never mind. <clears throat> He's the light of the world. And this is what he said. I'm the light of the world. He that follows me. How many of you want to be followers of him? How many of you are followers of him? He says, he that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Glory to God. I tell you, when I got saved, man, my life changed so much. I started seeing things I'd never seen. How many of you, before you got saved, the Bible made no sense to you? Can I see your hand? How many of you never read the Bible? Okay, well. <laughs> You know, I mean, when I'd read the Bible, I mean, I could, I could read it intellectually. But I tell you what, when I got born again and the author lived in me, he started telling me what the word really said. Are you listening to me? And it came alive. I was just talking to uh, Alan Hadfield. We graduated together, went to school together. And, and so he knew me really well in my BC days. And thank God that guy died. Everybody say amen. amen. Yeah, well, anyway, <clears throat> I was chasing her, and I was trying to rekindle my relationship with her, but she got saved. And she uh, said, I'm going to live for Jesus, and so you and I are done. Now, that's a commitment, isn't it? But you see, when you run into the real Jesus, nothing else matters. And we loved each other. We had a great time. I mean, we were just, you know, life was good. But when she got saved, she knew that I would not live, she wouldn't live successfully for him 
and, unless it was severed. And there's a price. How many of you know there's a price? There's a price to serve God. And she was not willing to give up the peace that was in her heart. And so she just said, I'm sorry, I love you, but we're done. So I'm chasing her, okay? My motive when I went to Bible studies and when I showed up at church with hair down in the middle of my back was not to find Jesus. It was to find Joan. And everyone knew it. It's all right, Doug. You know, they see right through me. They say, man, this guy is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I was. Okay? I admit it. I was after something, you know? So we went to this Bible study. Alan was a part of the Bible study. And he said, I remember it like it was yesterday. You'd come into that Bible study, you know, and you'd sit there all slung down, you know, like you were cool. Because I was cool. Okay? (laughs) You know? But really disinterested in the whole Bible thing. You know? I'm just playing the game. Lots of folk play They play the game, you know, and that doesn't work. Well, after three weeks of going to this Bible study, I'm on my way home. My folks had moved to, uh, I'm 19 years old. My folks had moved to uh, Logan, and so I'm on my way. I just get north of BB Town. I'm thinking about the Bible study. Here's what happened. I got enough of the Word of God, the living Word on the inside of me so that it could take root and and sprout. Okay? That's exactly what happened. See, we're begotten again by the word of truth. And if people receive the word, you know, we're, we're trying to get all of our lives all fixed and whatever. If we would just make it our, our ambition to let the word of God dwell in us richly, it would fix a lot of our stuff. You know? We think, well, no, that, that some external thing is my problem. No, it's not. You got to get the inside of you fixed. Are you with me? So anyway, on that trip home, I, I just, you know, I said, well, God, I don't even know if you're out there. That doesn't sound like much faith, does it, Bill? But yet right on the other hand, I said, if you are, I want you to come into my heart. I was real. He was real. And he said, okay, I'm real. Here I come. And he knew that I was, I was saying with no conditions whatsoever, I need you. And he changed my life forever. So the next time I went to Bible study, Alan was telling me that all of a sudden, instead of being all, you know, slung down and being cool, I'm sitting up in my chair, leaning forward, asking her questions. That's not the norm. Are you with me? So she thought, well, I don't know what's going on here. If, 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 if he's not saved, he sure is putting on a good show. And then finally, we had the conversation knowing that I'd been born again. I said, I don't know what our, here's the thing. I said, I don't even know what our lives, you know, whether our lives will be together or not. But I've met him and I love him too. And so we'll just see what the rest of it brings. And here we are. 45 years later? Man, I'm still chasing her. Glory to God. (laughs) It's good. Amen. He's made our lives so wonderful, you guys. And it doesn't mean that our lives, you know, have been perfect. It doesn't mean that we haven't challenges. We all have challenges. But thank God with him, we can overcome anything. Can you say amen? amen? So it's important for us to understand that. And I don't know how come I got off on all that. But anyway, hallelujah. You know, <clears throat> so here's the thing. When you're born again, you are given the light of life. 
and you all of a sudden, you see things completely differently. Are you listening to me? But you have to follow it. He said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So he's going to lead you out of darkness. He's saying, no, we don't talk ugly about anybody anymore. I've given you a new commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. The Bible says that we're to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. You know, and so you got to get that all changed and turned around instead of talking ugly about people. Are you with me? You know, and so these are things that we have to develop and whatever. But the Bible says this, if our gospel's hid, it's hid to those that are, describes the unbeliever as lost. So if our gospel be hid, it's, hid, it's hidden to those that are lost, in whom... The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that essentially don't believe so that the light of the glorious gospel will not shine into their hearts. I'll read it from the uh, uh, ESV. They'll probably have it up here on the screen. But it says, even if our gospel is veiled, King James uses the word hidden, if our gospel is hid, it is veiled to those who are perishing King James again says, are lost. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So the devil's doing everything he can to keep people from getting saved. That's why he put you on this earth. That's why you are the light of the world. That's why you are the salt of the earth so that you can shine brightly in a dark and a lost and a perishing world. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. What a wonderful privilege. Glory to God. And it's important for us to understand it. So again, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you have the light of life, and you don't have to walk in darkness. And like I said, you know, I shared my... I mean, when I got saved, dude, it was transformational. I mean, because there was such a disparity between the two. And Jesus will do the same thing. You know, people say a lot of things, but dude, if they ain't living for God, they're either, either they're not saved or they're backslid. Are you with me? You say, backslid, what's that mean? That means they're doing their own thing and, you know, uh, just doing what they want because they think they can. Are you with me? He paid too great a price for us to waste our lives living for ourselves. Are you listening to me? So it's important we understand that. When this happens, your intelligence increase tremendously. You just ask my wife, she said, oh yeah, you're, you got smart finally. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen. And uh, not only that, but he'll lead you in the way of success. God wants to bless you. Now we had to work through a bunch of bad theology and things, you know, but I tell you this much about it. If you read the word of God, well, here's what, you know, uh, God's told Joseph or Joseph, uh, Joshua. He said, this book of the law, the word shall not depart from your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night so that you might observe to do according to all that is written therein. Because when you do that, then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. How many of you know God wants you to have good success? Huh? How about the rest of you? You think he wants you to have good success? You are awake. I tell you what, no more of them cinnamon things. Okay? 
you go all comatose on me, you know, and <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So if we learn, if we would just learn to develop and follow our spirit, I mean, it would revolutionize your life. Amen. And even as believers right now, you know, we're supposed to be growing. We're not supposed to be static. We're not supposed to be backing up. We're supposed to be moving forward in our relationship with God. Hallelujah. Because, you know, here's the thing. If we walk in the light of life, God will never lead us into a way of fear, anxiety, or care. But rather, it'll be love and joy and peace. You say, yeah, but you know, we got to have these challenges, you know, we're going to have these challenges. Well, I understand that, but praise God, how do you respond to the challenge? Are you going to yield to the fear? Are you going to yield to the care? Are you going to yield to the to worry? Or are you going to say, thank God I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. Thank God he's put his spirit in me, and the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, goodness, kindness, you know, faithfulness, all of those things. Those are the characteristics of the believer, and those are the ones we need to embrace. You know, so, so when something comes my way, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't line up with that, I say, no, I don't want that. I ain't going to be afraid. Hallelujah. How many times in the Bible does it say, fear not? And yet the world around you and everybody is peddling fear to beat the band. You don't have anything to fear. Now, some people would say, dude, you're living in a dream world. No, I'm living in the reality of the new birth and being born of the Spirit of God. And he's going to take care of me. Yeah, but haven't you seen this? Don't you know about that? Dude, it's all an exercise in futility. If you want to go and worry about all that stuff, you can. But I tell you what, there's another life that he has offered to you that you can take. Woo, glory to God. See, the devil wants to mess your life up. He doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to have joy. He wants you to be thinking about whatever it is that's not right or whatever isn't going right or whatever it is you know that concerns you so that he can steal your joy. Hallelujah. Well, thank God we don't have to let him do that. Amen. Turn with me if you would. Let's go over to Galatians uh, chapter 5. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Notice what it says here with me, Galatians chapter 5, and let's, uh, let's look at uh, verse 16, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul's talking about a number of different things, but he then comes to this conclusion in verse 16. This I say then, what's the next word? Walk. What is it? Walk. 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 Well, the word walk in the scriptures is um, it's figuratively speaking about how you are to carry yourself, your, your manner of life, your, your, your behavior, what you do, what you say, you know, things of that nature. So in this scripture again, it says, uh, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh uh, lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. They're contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But, now listen, if, everybody say if. If, if you be led by the spirit of God, hallelujah, 
Notice what it goes on to say, you're not under the law. So the Bible says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So his his indwelling presence is in us to lead us and guide us into all truth. And all this scripture is saying is, is that we need to be led by the Spirit of God and not allow our flesh to dominate us. Now that can be a bit of a battle. You know, some people, you know, if they've just been, you know, dominated by their flesh, letting it control them and things of that nature, there's no blessing in that. But thank God we can walk after the Spirit. You say, well, what in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about when you have a temptation or an opportunity to get mad and you pass it up. Okay? When you have an opportunity to speak evil against somebody and you pass it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I've been in conversations before, and people, man, I mean, they're ranting about this, that, and the other. And I said, well, by golly, why don't we just pray for them? (laughs) It just ruins everything. But it's exactly what needs to be done. Instead of talking about them, pray for them. Are you with me? That's being led by the Spirit of God. That's the right way. That's the light. Instead of being in the darkness. Are you listening to me? You know, but, but you, have to, you have to wake up enough to know what it is that's occurring so that you can do the right thing and respond correctly. That's what growing up in Christ in all things is. That's what being conformed into his image is all about. Amen? And not allowing somebody to use your ear for a garbage can. It happens a lot. And thank God we don't have to do that. Can you say Amen. Amen. So, but, and here's the thing, so often, you know, when it comes to Christians, you know, and I can understand, I mean, when you get first getting started, there's a lot of things you don't know, but you know, some of us been around a while, we ought to be getting this figured out, don't you think? And, and so often Christians don't realize what's going on in their life. In other words, you know, you can be motoring along in life and somehow or another you end up in some little spat. You know, and maybe it's worse than that. I don't know. That sounds like a good word. And then all of a sudden, you know, then you're, you're, you're miffed. And there's strife. And, you know, all that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, guess what? That ain't God. As a matter of fact, it's right out of the pit of hell. So what I'm asking you to do is learn not to put your foot in the trap. Recognize it and say, nuh-uh. Amen. You know, because that's where we win and the devil loses. But, you know, here's the thing you need to understand. A lot of times in our lives, your flesh and your, and your emotions will gang up on you. You know? And, and all of a sudden, we want to fight and kick and bite and, you know, do all these kinds of things, you know, that really don't represent the kingdom of heaven. Because, again, our emotions and our flesh is wanting to do something different. We end up saying something. We shouldn't say, how many of you have ever done that before? How'd that work out for you? Uh, not so good. Well, what is that? Well, it's the flesh. That's all. And so all he's asking us to do is stop walking in that darkness and begin to walk in, in the light. Does that make sense to you? Huh? You know, um, <clears throat> the Bible again says the Spirit of God, uh, I, I say it, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. 
and, and lets us know that we're the children of God. So when these things come our way, we need to listen to the one who is on, in, on the inside of us and say, God, how, what do I need to do here? How do I need to respond? You know, sometimes, we, well, aren't you going to say something? Well, actually, it'd be a good thing, and you ought to be glad they don't. Are you with me? Boy, sure gets quiet when you start talking about stuff like this. But see, here's the thing. You have to base your faith on what the Word of God says and not the way you feel. Because your feelings are so stinking fickle. You know, you can be all, that's why people have these mountains and valleys in their lives. Man, you don't have to have none of that. You can go right across the top all the time. And that doesn't mean you don't have challenges, but thank God, just stay there. I'm not going down there. I'm staying up here. Are you listening to me? You know, and here's the thing, you know, you can't ever understand yourself by your feelings. Because again, you know, you're all over the place. And that's why people go to all kinds of doctors trying to figure out, and I'm not against that. If they can help you, hallelujah, get after it. But I'm telling you this much about it. You can't understand yourself by your emotions. And if you let them control you, they will just drive you nuts. Are you with me? You say, but I can't help it. Yes, you can. That's not true. And it may take some real work, you know, in order to make that happen. Some people are very emotional about their lives and things like that. But there's a difference between having prosperous emotions and unprosperous emotion. Are you with me? So, you know, understand yourself as a born-again believer, as a spirit-filled Christian, and what the Word says about you. And when you read the Word of God and what the Word has to say about you, whether you feel like it or not, you say, that's me. That's who I am. Uh, are you listening to me? Okay? That you, this is what I have. This is what I can do. And again, this is who I am. Are you with? Because that's who you are. That's who he's made you. You're a new creation in Christ. Thank God. And so your flesh doesn't have, is this helping you at all? Because I think sometimes, you know, people say, man, what is going on? Well, it might be that we're just letting our flesh and our emotions dominate us. You know, I I use this this example, you know, often because it it bears repetition, but Pastor Keith Moore, he got done with the service and he was out talking to people. A guy comes up to him and goes, I don't like you. Well, what do you do with that? You know, somebody so brazen, idiot, you know, and, and says, I don't like you. Well, how do you respond to that? And so he just stood there for a while. Thank God he's smart enough not to jump in that deal. And you know, Keith Moore, he ain't no slouch. I mean, he used to be a, uh, wasn't he in uh, kickboxing or martial, uh, martial arts? Of some, I mean, he could have wailed on this guy. But he just stood there for a little bit and he said, you don't know me. He said, if you knew me, you'd like me. Huh? And that's all he said. So you're always going to run into those deals, you know, where you got people that are contrary and cantankerous and things like that. And you just have to just don't step in the trap. Are you with me? And that's true of any uh, situation that we find ourselves, uh, you know, that we might be in. Hallelujah. So um, I mentioned this to you earlier about, you know, living by unprosperous emotions. If you if you do that, you guys, you'll never have any victory in your life. 
because you'll be up and down and in and out, and you say, well, I just can't lie about it, man. I'm not happy. Well, <clears throat> I get that, but praise God, most of the time people are not happy because of what they've been thinking about and what it is that they're allowing themselves to be dictated by. So all I'm, all I'm asking you to do is get over in the Word of God, find out what the Word has to say, and battle what it is that the devil is using to keep you or hold you where you are. Praise God, you are not staying where you are today because there is a future that is bright for you going forward. But you have to say, okay, dude, if it's a battle, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you got. And you take the word of God and you start dealing with whatever it is. It could be anger, it could be uh, uh, care, it could be worry, all of those kinds of things. And you just got to get into the word of God and let the word get in you. And then just say, Father, I'm so glad I'm a child of God. I'm so glad I'm full of the Holy Ghost. I'm so glad, Father God, that you purchased me with your own blood, that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus, that old things have passed away. Thank God that guy died a long time ago. And begin to live within the reality of what it is that Christ has already done for you. Already done for you. People are always wanting to, you know, I know someday. No, I'm telling you right now, you have everlasting life right now, and God wants you to live in it right now. Are you with me? So you begin to say and declare and, and praise God. I mean, you know, and then you can praise God. You can worship God. You can thank God. You say, I don't feel like doing that. Well, nobody else does either. But if you'll do it, you'll start to feeling like it. Hallelujah. You know, there's mornings I get up and I'm, I'm trying to, I ask her, I say, you want to preach this morning? Why? Because I don't feel like preaching. I'm okay right now. But you know, are you with me? You know, if we go by our feelings, you'd never get out of bed and go to work. But the fact of the matter is you know you have to because otherwise you're not going to have a job. Are you with me? So anyway, here's a scripture for you. Third John 2, you're familiar with it. Beloved, beloved. How many beloveds we got here? You know the Bible again is God speaking. Beloved, I wish or pray or desire above all things that you would prosper and be in health, listen, as your soul prospers. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, emotions. That's where the devil attacks you. That's where he tells you you don't feel like this and you don't feel like that and how come they don't love me? And, you know, did you see the way that they looked at you? I've got people that don't attend my church anymore because they thought somebody looked at them wrong and they're done attending church. Now that's fickle on a major level. But they are convinced Oh, you know, you'll hear people all the time. Well, you know, they're just not, they're unloving. You know. Well, have you ever thought about maybe there's somebody else in this picture that maybe is a little unloving? Huh? What's your expectation? You know, people ought to be coming to a body of believers to see what it is that they can contribute, how it is that they can engage, how that they can encourage one another, you know, and that type of thing instead of saying, well, what do you got here? You know, what's in this for me? 
How can you help me? You know, what's that called? Selfishness. You know, when we first got started, we didn't have nothing. You know, we didn't have no children's ministry. And then my brother-in-law, Phil, he jumped in the middle of that deal and did it for 30-some years. Are you listening to me? You know, we didn't have a nursery. A lot of people would never darken the door of the church that we started because we don't have what they need. You know, sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves and say, hey, here's a need. I'm just going to go talk to somebody and see if I can, you know, engage in this and get involved. Thanks for your enthusiasm. This is awesome. Praise God. I mean, I'm so encouraged. Woo! Hallelujah. But it's true. It's true. And that's the reason why a lot of people miss out, you know, and all they do is complain. Dear God, get a life. Are you with me? Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah, he said, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You know, let's talk about walking in the light of life for just a few more minutes when it refers to marriage. Y'all ready? Some of you are sitting there going, I ain't married, so I'm good. Well, for the rest of you, praise God. We'll, we'll bless you with this. Marriage. See, when two people, you know, decide that they're gonna be married, um, they enter into a covenant. Everybody say covenant. covenant. That's a commitment that they're making. And what they're doing is they're saying, I want to share the rest of my life with, with you or with someone. You know? Now, in the world in which we live, not so much. Yeah, if it works out, fine. If it don't, we'll just do something else. It's like almost disposable. But that was never God's intention. I was just talking to someone, I can't remember who it was, <clears throat> about the fact that they, the person I was talking to ended up in a divorce and so, uh, so was the person they were now married to. So they got this blended family thing. And I tell you what, uh, when I was talking to him, I just, it was, it was unbelievable. You know, the consternation and, and, and how, um, you know, kids being disillusioned and all these different things are going on. And, and maybe you, you know, maybe you're experiencing that in your own personal life. I, I get that. But we were just talking about how, how you have got to have God in your life to help you navigate through some of these things. And we all have regrets. We all make mistakes. We all have failings. You know, I'm not here to beat anybody up at all whatsoever. I'm, what I'm saying is, is from here forward, Let's not make the same mistakes. Are you listening to me? And that's really what we were talking about, about making the best out of, um, you know, the circumstance that they're, they're in. But look at this verse of Scripture with me. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Y'all doing all right? Stay with me here for just a little bit more. Uh, we fed you uh, those cinnamon rolls. You should be okay for a little bit. Notice here in Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul, he's writing uh, here and... Um, uh, let's start with 21. We're talking about walking in the light of life, okay, as it relates to your marriage, okay? Any of you have any disagreements in your marriage? 
Any of you had any non-speaking days or weeks in your marriage? Come on, we're going to pray for liars later. (laughs) Sure enough. Why? Because I'm telling you what, first of all, you don't even know what you're getting into, really. You know, you're young, you're in love, baby, hallelujah. But then life starts happening. And all of a sudden, I remember reading Jenny. Are you guys okay? Because I noticed he was sitting over there and you're here. I mean, is that all right? He had to leave early. Oh, he had to leave early. Okay. Well, you can tell him about it later. I remember, how long ago did you guys get married? Uh, 35, 36 years. 36 years ago. I married these two. And I got to tell you, you guys, I mean... You know, I, I do a pretty good vetting, you know, before I decide that I'm going to marry somebody. But I, I can tell you the day that these two got married, we were over in the old building and they went up on the platform. And I, I thought to myself, dear God, this ain't never going to work. <laughs> and the reason was her. <laughs> you know, Reed, he's pretty, you know, he's a he's a hometown boy, you know, pretty, pretty settled, whatever. But dude. He, he's wanting to get married to wild thing, you know? And I thought to myself, dude, you have got a tiger by the tail. Maybe he still does, I don't know. And, 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 and really, I say all of that, you know, uh, in fun because they're such a blessing to us and we love this couple with all of our hearts. But, you know, they had some things to learn. She'd grown up in the woods with a, you know, bow and arrow kind of thing. I mean, weren't you some like uh, uh, competing archer or whatever? Yeah, you know, eat, you know, pine cones and I don't know what all, you know, she did. <laughs> she just cut out of a different bunch of fabric, that's all. You know, and so you bring these two people together, you go, oh, dear God. You know, we got the, we got the wet and we got the, we got the oil in the water here or dynamite, or what's that stuff, tannerite? If you pour the two together, you get it exploded. But anyway, where was I? Um, Oh, I know what I was talking about. Is, you know, when we get married, we really don't know a lot. You know, we can can certainly prepare ourselves and things of that nature, but you just don't know. I mean, when his underwear and junk and whatever's where it doesn't belong and hanging on stuff, and, you know, he can't find the, uh, the hamper, Am I in the right house? You know, things like that. And then she's, she's got her deal. Whew, hallelujah. You know? And so all of a sudden, you're learning all this stuff, and you're going, eh, nah, meh. You know what I'm saying? So here's this scripture to help us when we talk about this. Notice in verse 21, he says, to submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that, in and of itself, is the key to submit yourselves what one to another there have been small wars fought over you know women submitting to their husbands it's it's totally misinterpreted when it comes to the submission thing but the world you know they're they're telling you something else they got a different message that they're sharing and it's messed up more people's lives because people have not understood where their place is in a married relationship from a biblical standpoint, okay? I'm not, I'm not suggesting at all that this guy is supposed to be some overlord and you just do whatever and, you know, hit, you're his rug. That's not what the Bible teaches. Are you with me? But notice what it goes on to say in 22. Wives, submit yourselves. 
use the word, let's use the word defer instead of submit. Since we don't like submit, let's use the word defer, okay? So it says this, wives, defer yourselves to your own husbands, not somebody else's, okay? As you would to the Lord. So there's the criteria. I'm not submitting myself or I'm not, you know, deferring to some other man because he's a man or he's a male or he's a whatever you think he is. I'm deferring to my husband as I would to the Lord. In other words, from a biblical standpoint. Does this all make sense to you? Okay, now notice what it goes on then to say in verse 23, or uh, yeah, 23. For the husband is the head, and really all that means is, is he's responsible, okay, to take care of her. When, when uh, Pastor Glenn came and asked uh, my daughter's hand in marriage, the one thing I just asked him, I said, I want you, you know, after, well, there was some conversation, but I said, take care of her. And he said, I will. Okay? It's a responsibility of the husband to take care of the wife. Okay? Amen. Now there's, you know, I mean, we could talk about that for an hour. What does that mean? But you know what I'm saying. So notice it goes on to say, y'all still glad you came? You've gotten extremely quiet here in just the last few moments. But notice it says that the... um, For the husband, verse 23, is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify, cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own body, because he that loves his wife loves himself. Hallelujah. And then it goes on and it says some other things that we could talk about. But my point to sharing all of this, and and let's drop down for the sake of time to verse 33. It says, nevertheless, in uh, in the instruction that he gives, nevertheless, let every one of you in, in particular so love his wife as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, if folks would do that, you'd have the most marvelous marriage on the planet. Amen. If they would do it. You say, yeah, but you're not married to what I'm married to. No. But the reality is, is that God's told you what you're supposed to do. So do it. Amen. And you might find that that thing that you're married to will change. Are you with me? You know? And, um, I mean, you're going to make whatever out of your married relationship, you're going to, you know, are you with me? Okay, I know I'm meddling here, but, uh, you know, if, if we would defer, if we would love, if we'd use these qualities and characteristics in our marriages, we wouldn't have all the fussing and the fighting and the kicking and the biting, <laughs> you know, that's all there is to it. And I'll be honest with you, you know, when it comes right down to it, I mean, the reason that people end up in divorce is because of selfishness. The opposite of uh, love is not hate, necessarily. 
The opposite of love is selfish. People are selfish, you know? And um, it jacks them up so bad, they don't know where they're coming or going. They're not walking in the light. They don't even know where the light is. Are you with me? So ask yourself the question, people. You know, in your married relationship, ask yourself, how is this going to affect the other person? When you have a decision that you want to make or if there's a, something that you want to say or things of that nature, have you ever thought about how is that going to impact my spouse, my wife, my husband? You know, uh, how is it going to affect the other person? Now, I've done some things, stupid things, hmm, you know, because I wasn't mindful. But thank God we had the chance of being able to talk that all over, and I had the opportunity to say I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Those two words in a marriage, are, are, they're pretty cool, pretty powerful. Are you with me? And some, you know, they don't want to say they're sorry. So full of themselves, they can't. But... <laughs> My wife tells, tells a story about this one woman, you know, she's, I don't know exactly how the first part of it was, but she said, when I first came into this church, I didn't like you, you know? Isn't that about the way it went? Yeah. And so uh, you're all sitting there going, oh, I wonder who that was. It was 40 years ago. Forget it. Okay. She says, I don't, I don't like you, you know, but, 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 you know, after I've been in the church for a while and, and, and this is literally what she did. She says, I've come to the place where I, I've decided that I really love you. I mean, it's like she couldn't even hardly get it out of her mouth. Well, at least she's making progress. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? <laughs> Funny. How's this going to affect the other person? You know, many... If not most of the problems, like I said, could be solved pretty quickly if people weren't so selfish. Because it's the opposite of love, man. You know? Woo! You know, you say, well, what's that look like? It's, it's buying things that you shouldn't buy and putting your budget in jeopardy. Well, I want this boat, man. This sucker goes fast. You know, when I go bass fishing, baby, I'll be to the best place for any of the rest of them even get their motor started. And so you spend a gazillion dollars. These bass boats do that's crazy. Now, I'm not opposed to a bass boat. If you want to spend $70,000, $80,000 for a boat, go for it. But let's be in agreement. Huh? Oh, honey, it's the best thing. Look at this thing. It's beautiful. And it is. Okay? Yeah. But we're only going to make payments for the rest of our life at about 700 bucks a month or whatever. You know, that's an exaggeration. But do you get it? Maybe we ought to talk some of these things over. I tell you about the 1981 Cutlass that I just had to have. That was not a good move. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. How about sharing the load of domestic responsibilities? Huh? Well, it's woman's work. Since when, dude? She works like you work. You come home, you say, well, I've been working all day. What do you think she's been doing, eating a banana? <laughs> Get up and help her, you sorry outfit. <laughs> Praise God. Do something she doesn't expect. I just unloaded a dishwasher. It didn't kill me, you know? And it was something she had started on, but she got off on something else or whatever. So I said, you know, I'll just do that. I'm, you know, uh, I was cooking us a little breakfast yesterday morning. I thought I can do that while I'm doing this. Are you with me? So what'd she do? She didn't come out to the kitchen and say, Oh, I was wondering if you were going to help. She didn't do that. She said, honey, thank you. You didn't have to do that. I said, I know it, but praise God. See, we're in this together. That's what love does, man. Are you with me? 
So when you want to get in a fight about whatever it is you want to get in a fight about, you just need to stop and say, you know, I'm sure this is of the devil. Because it is. And then you just decide, no, we ain't doing this. And go a different route. Are you listening to me? And it'll bless you. Hallelujah. And, you know, take care of things that you know that would bless them. You know, stuff you do. I, you know, you, if you could only see your faces right now. Some of you are staring straight ahead going, oh, dear God. How long is this going to be? I don't know. We're trying to get a breakthrough here. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, just doing things that unexpectedly for them just to bless them. Are you with me? <laughs> All right. Tough crowd. Here's the thing, finally, you know. <clears throat> we're talking about walking in the light of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Huh? You got time for one more scripture? Real quick, because I turn over to John 1, and I'll just, I'll just hit this uh, spot, and then we'll call it good. John 1. Um, I quoted this verse in verse 4. It says, In him was life, and the life was uh, the light of men. Drop down to verse 12 there, if you've got your Bibles or device. It says, But to as many as, what's that next word? Received him. To as many as received him. To them he gave the right or the privilege or the power to become, what? The sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which again were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh or man, but born of God. Hallelujah. So here's the thing in closing, is, is that you have his life in you, and you can walk in that. You can walk in the light of life. And, you know, maybe it starts with, you know, honey, I am sorry. I've been a knothead. Because a lot of times we are, okay? You know what a knothead is. You don't know? Yeah, I think you know. You know, when we do wrong, you know, are you with me? Wipe the slate clean, man. Ask him to forgive you. And say, I understand that I'm, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, or not, but, but I want to be. And I'll tell you what, you can, have a, you can have heaven on earth in your married relationship if you want to. Now, if you want to stay selfish and act like a knothead, then you're welcome to do that. But you know what? Not only are you missing out on the blessing of God, but you're also causing the person that, you know, decided to come alongside you and be your partner, you're, 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 you're messing them up too. So is that what you really want? I mean, again, if that's what you want, then giddy up, buddy. But I tell you what, there's a better way, of the love way. And that's the way, praise God, that lives are wonderfully blessed in Jesus' name. So why don't you stand with me? Hallelujah, I've preached long enough. We're going to have communion here together in just a moment. But I want to give you an opportunity to just uh, commit this uh, message to your hearts and uh, allow the Holy Ghost to speak to you as I'm probably sure he already has. Let's bow our heads together. Hallelujah. There's two different things here that I feel as though uh, the Lord wants me to speak to you about, minister to you on, if that's the right word. And the one has to do with the, the anxiety, the worry, and the care of life, the cares 
of life, the cares of this life. And um, I shared with you a little bit about how you can combat that, but you're still dealing with it. It's, you're, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's a reality in your life that needs to be cared for. And I believe that today God wants to help you, wants to bless you, wants to lift, lift, lift that, that anxiety and that worry out of your life. Hallelujah. You say, yeah, but pastor, you know, you, you don't know what I'm looking at. You don't know what I have to stare at every day and how it looms itself up. Well, no, I, I probably don't. But I just got to tell you, praise God, you have to walk in the light of the promises that God has made to you. And you got to stop looking at what the devil is accentuating and what it is that he is um, trying to create as a reality in your life. Because that's not you, it's not God's plan, it's not his purpose. And then the other thing I want to pray for has to do with marriages. You know, um, marriage was God's idea. The institution is sacred before him. And it's in that institution of marriage that such great grace and blessing is on people's lives. But again, we have to function, you know, as he would have us to. And it may be that, you know, that, that you're at odds with your spouse right now. Um, it might be that... Uh, there's been some words that have been spoken that shouldn't have been, or maybe some actions that have taken place that shouldn't have. Well, you know what? You can make that right. You can change it. You know, you have to be honest. You have to humble yourself. And you have to say, you know, God's plan and purpose for my life is a whole lot more important than what I want. So while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one's looking around, please. I just, you know, this is just a moment for all of us to come before him and ask for his help and his assistance in the need that we have. So if worry, anxiety, and well, even fear, you know, just afraid of your future and where it is that you're going, if that happens to be you, I want you to just raise your hand wherever you're standing. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down once you've done that. Quite a number of you. Okay. I know there's a lot of things in the world in which we're living that causes reason for great concern, but I tell you what, praise God, there's a better way and that way is in Him. And it may take us a little bit to get ourselves there, but we're gonna ask Him to help us today, those of you that raised your hand, and we're gonna get a bunch of this stuff off your shoulders. Here's what the Bible says. He said, Jesus said, come to me all of you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give, your, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart and you'll find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Anybody else here before we pray? There's probably a dozen people or so that responded. Anybody else? All right, thank you, ma'am. Bless you. Yes, thank you. And let's talk about this marriage thing, you guys. Um, you know, I you know I try to <laughs> lighten things up as much as I can, but but the reality is, where we live sometimes, well, it can just be hell. 
And God does not want for another moment, another day, for that to be the case in your life. And some of you may be standing there and you say, but I don't know what to do. Some of you may be saying, well, I've got to do some things that I don't want to do, but I know I need to do them. I don't know, you know, wherever you find yourself in all of this. But I know this, that you've been in a service where the light has illuminated your path, your way, and now you're just faced with a decision about what you're going to do about it. So while, again, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you're here and you say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, uh, I need some help with my marriage. Can I see your hand right where you are? Thank you. God bless you guys. Yes. Thank you. You can put it down when you're done. Amen. I'm so excited for your honesty and courage. Listen, you know, God's going to do something here. It's not going to be the way it used to be. There's going to be change that takes place. Anybody else before we pray? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, if you're with your spouse, I want you to just catch hands with them. And I'm going to pray. And then I may lead you in a bit of a prayer here as... as uh, we have unction to do so, but Father, I thank you for every person here this morning. Not a, none of us, not one of us, Father, without need. But Father God, you said you'd meet every need we have. So I pray for those that have had anxiety or worry, care, fear. Those things, Father, that seem to have been dominating their lives because of what it is that they currently uh, find themselves facing. And God, I'm asking you just to simply come to them right now by your spirit and allow them, Father God, to experience <laughs> divine love and your care for them. I pray for these, Father, who responded to the matters of marriage. And God, I just want to thank you that even now they know what needs to be said and done that can help. And I thank you, Lord God, for your grace and your blessing in their lives so that, well, life can be everything you intended it to be. I'd like for you as a congregation, would you pray this prayer with me as we pray for these that uh, have responded? Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today without any reservation. I yield all of my heart all my soul, and all my mind to you. Lord, please forgive me for my shortcomings and my failures and my sin. And I ask you, Lord, to help me, help us to be the people that you want us to be. And I thank you, Lord, for coming right now into my life to make these things a reality in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. And then when you're seated, if you would, just for one more moment, just close your eyes and bow your heads with me. I just want to ask an important question. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except through me. 
And in the early part of our message, we talked about what it means to really believe. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never asked. Maybe you've been living, for a lack of a better way of saying it, you're living a lie. And you've just decided that you're not going to do that anymore. And you're going to come to him and ask him to forgive you. Come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. So while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. If that happens to be you and you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere as I look across the crowd? This is a real thing, you guys. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But if you've never asked him to come into your heart, then by golly, you ought to do that today. Anyone as I look before we pray. This may be your situation, those of you that are watching online, and the same thing would apply. You can pray a sinner's prayer. We call it a sinner's prayer where you invite Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Well, pray this prayer with me, church. Say this, Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you today to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you really mean it, then of course, praise God, change has come. And praise God, you can be thankful. Those of you watching online, if you prayed that prayer, uh, we'd really love to hear from you and let, it, let us know that you made that commitment to Christ. If we can be of any help to you whatsoever, we would love to be able to do that. So God bless you, praise God, in your decision. Well, I don't know about you, I'm glad I came, amen? We're gonna go ahead and receive communion together, so if you can um, grab your uh, things there. There's so many things we could talk about in receiving communion this morning, but I think at the end of the day, we can just say, thank God that he came that we might have life and life more abundant. Jesus made it possible by the giving of his life, his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. He said that as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes again. And so it's really just a memorial. It's a reminder to you and I of what it is he did for you and me. And we're coming to this table to, to give him thanks, to honor him and to recognize what it is he's done. So let's pray together and we'll partake. Father, we thank you for this element that we hold in our hand that represents your broken body, the stripes that were borne upon your back, that by them we might be made whole, be healed. And Father God, we thank you for the redemption that is in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, you may partake.